So good evening, everyone, and welcome to being an education student on my podcast, Kusara Sara. And tonight, I have a very special guest um, joining us from the other side of the world. Uh, his name is Scott Davies, and he is from Adelaide, Australia. Um, and I'm so happy that he accepted my invitation to um, be on my series tonight because I have so many questions for him. Uh, he is a pre-service teacher, and uh, I will get him to introduce himself. So good evening, Scott. Good morning, uh, where you are in Australia. <laughs> Good morning, Sarah. Yeah, so uh, my name's Scott Davies. I'm a pre-service uh, secondary humanities and English teacher from Adelaide in South, South Australia, which is um, in the, like the south of Australia. Um, so basically, I'm in the first year of uh, two years of a master's degree in education. Uh, my, undergrad, my undergraduate was, um, was in art, so in uh, like history and English, and then I also did an honours year in uh, history to round that up back in 2015. Um, nice. I tried looking for other work in 2016, but that didn't quite work out. So I decided to go back to study and I decided to do education. So uh, for this year and next year, I'll be doing my master's in uh, education and teaching. I've just finished my uh, first semester and I'm currently in the middle of my break and will be going for my second semester shortly, which will include my uh, my first teaching placement, which I'm definitely looking forward to. Amazing. Okay. Wow. So you're like halfway done almost. Are you in your break between like first and second semester? Is it a semestered system um, where yeah. you are? Yeah, it's a semester system over in Australia. So um, last week I just had my uh, last week of the first semester. So yeah. I've got a, a couple of months off now and then I'll have my second semester and with that my first uh, big uh, placement within school so you know teaching a few lessons and and doing that whole experience wow that's really cool okay so you said that you're doing um like your master's so the way it works here is we actually have like a a it's teacher's college where we get like a second bachelor's degree and then there is a master's program in education but even if we just have our our bachelor's of education that's when we become a qualified teacher so it's it's not the same where you are. You have to get your master's to be a qualified teacher? Yeah, so it actually um, recently changed pretty much this year. So before it used to be the case that you could just do like your undergraduate in education and after you did your um, like your four years of undergrad, then you'd be a qualified teacher. But recently the Australian government has changed it. So you have to do your undergraduate, uh, especially if you want to be a secondary teacher like I am, you have to do mm -hmm. it your uh, major subject of study. So, for example, if I want to be a history and English teacher, I have to do an undergraduate, like, three, four years in those subjects, and then you do your master's of, of teaching. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. That's really cool. Um, because, so, in total, how many years would it be? Did you do, like, a, you said you did an honor. So, was it a four-year bachelor's and then a two-year master's? Yeah. So, it's, yeah, four, four plus two. So, it'll be six years of study by the time I finish. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Basically, it's the same thing for us, but we don't have the title of a master's when we get our education um, degree. And I would actually be really interested in getting my master's because I want to, you know, potentially go into like administration or like being a principal. And to do that, it's really highly recommended to get your master's. So if I wanted to do that, I would be in eight years total of, of school. 
Yeah, um, actually, part of the reason why they changed it to masters over here is that in the um, the second semester of your second year, you have to do like a research project, which is um, to do with like an issue in um, like educational research, like educational psychology, that sort of thing. So it sort of yeah. ties into the whole idea of um, uh, you know personal development, teacher development, which I'm sure you have um, a big emphasis on over in Canada as well. In uh, your teaching system. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So just kind of like run me through what, um, your, your teacher's college or master's program looks like. So what, what was your first semester? Like, what were your classes, um, class sizes? Like I want to know all down to the nitty gritty yeah. of it. <laughs> all right. So for my, um, first semester just start, um, that I just finished then, um, we had, uh, four classes. So, you had one class each for your um, your major areas. So I did a a class which is on how to teach sort of um, history and humanities subjects. So it's called uh, humanities uh, for secondary teaching, and I had an equivalent one for uh, English as well, which was English for secondary teaching. So I was basically going through sort of um, ideas and strategies on how to teach uh, different sort of concepts and ideas in English. So like you'd have one one week where you you learn all about how to teach sort of novels. Um, one on how to teach poetry, um, you know, one on how to sort of teach the different parts of speech um, and so on and so forth. Okay. And then um, another class which was um, cognition, learning and development. So you learn um, sort of the educational um, like learning theories and sort of educational psychology um, and you learn sort of those broad theories, so like Vygotsky, um, Piaget and so on. And you start yeah, to we sort have of develop learning and you just sort of learn how to um, apply that to, to your teaching. And then um, our last one, which is uh, professional uh, experience and reflection. So that's our class um, related to uh, in-school teaching experience and sort of, um, you know, reflecting on how to sort of develop as a teacher, learning those sort of behaviour management, sort of, um, you know, communication strategies, sort of the, um, I guess, the technical details on how to actually sort of teach. Nice. That's wow. Okay. So it's interesting. Um, we had five classes, um, for, for our first semester and we also had, um, one day a week placements for eight weeks. Um, that was like our first semester of first year, but honestly, our classes really reflected the same thing, um, as you're telling me. So I also had, um, an English class because English is, uh, my one teachable. So I'm going just to like give context. I am in the, uh, I'm also in teacher's college in French. So everything I'm like telling you, I'm like translating it from French to English, um, so I'll be teaching like grade four to grade 10. So um, I only have one teachable and then I hopefully will be getting uh, a second teachable once I'm qualified and I'll be um, getting qualified to teach French as well. Um, but yeah, so I have my, I had my class about basically how to teach English. And I think it's really cool because it's totally exactly what you were saying. Um, we kind of went through the same thing and we also had a development class where we looked at all the educational theories. So that definitely goes hand in hand in your professional experience class. Um, we had a class that was similar, but it was called like, um, classroom management, but we also talked about like all of the professional steps about being a teacher and, you know, everything that just kind of encompasses, um, the profession in general. So 
Um, that was really neat. So did you find in your classes, um, especially in your history and your English class, did you guys get to do any like hands-on work where you were making lesson plans or even like maybe teaching an English lesson, even though you weren't in a school, but just like in your classroom, like at university? Yes. Yeah, so um, in both our classes, um, one of the assignments was to basically uh, look at a um, like lesson plan or like a, a unit plan and sort of uh, begin to critique it in terms of, um, you know, is it cognitively um, engaging? Um, does it sort of teach the content in a rigorous way that the students have, you know, um, good opportunity to learn? Um, how could you develop it further, you know, considering things such as, uh, you know, educational, um, you know, learning theories, all that sort of thing? Um, right. So that's sort of one of the um, assessments that was common to both those classes. And then we also did this thing called um, micro-teaching. So you'd basically do like a, a 10 to 15 minute mock lesson. So it's, you know, you teach as you would any other class, but it's just sort of shortened to like a 10 or 15 minute, um, I guess, sort of preview. So you'd sort of teach how you'd start the lesson, maybe like your first activity, and then um, you sort of stop it at that point, but you'd have obviously, um, you know, detailed lesson plans, um, sort of a unit plan, which you'd theoretically go on with and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So we had like a little bit of um, sort of, learning learning experience in that sense wow wow I really really love that so w when you were doing these micro lessons were you you were doing them in front of your peers evidently yeah we're doing it in front of our peers and basically just um, replicating um, like a, a teaching scenario you know as as much as possible so you of course. Know, so for example like um, for my English micro teaching I was teaching um, uh, fragmented sentences to a theoretical year eight class so I sort of had to model it as though they were year eight which is kind of weird you know trying to present pretend <laughs> that you know, people in their like 20s and 30s are you know a year eight class yeah. and 14 year olds but you just have to try and sort of get in that mindset as much as you can sort of you know try to work things in the way that you would to a year eight class you know sort of model it that way you know it's a little Absolutely. bit hard, but you know it's a good learning experience yeah, you have to improvise, right? As a teacher, you you get used to improvising, and and in, in, even though you're in front of your peers, uh, I think it's almost a little bit more challenging than if you were actually in front of ten year olds. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, there were definitely people that sort of um, struggled a bit in that sense of you know they they had obviously like the content and the lesson planned out well, but they when they came to deliver it, they would deliver it as though it was you know to the university students as opposed to like year eight. So it's, it, it was tricky to sort of get in that mindset, but you just had to sort of, um, you know, like you said, just be sort of like play, play by foot, um, just, you know, improvise as you go along. Yeah, absolutely. So were you getting feedback from the students or from the professor afterwards, like after you gave your lesson? Because that would be really helpful. Yeah, so basically um, what would happen is um, for every student that uh, did the micro-teaching, um, someone else, you had one person that would um, video record it and you have another person that um, would uh, sort of uh, critique it and lead like a, a quick sort of informal discussion on, you know, what they did after the lesson. So like you teach for five minutes and then the next five minutes would just be sort of like a, hey, you know, you did you did this well, here's somewhere to improve. Does anyone else have any thoughts on how, you know, Scott could improve his lesson and that sort yeah. of thing? And then your teacher, uh, like our tutor, would sort of chime in with, you know, this is what I thought you did well, this is what I thought you, did, you need to improve on. 
And so you'd have that sort of informal feedback straight away. And then like a few weeks later, you'd have your, your like your formal assessment. Wow. So did you find that that helped you? Like, I, I'm so jealous that I, I've never done that before. I feel as though I would have loved to maybe improvise, like do one of those mini lessons in, in one of my um, classes, even though, even if it would have been like um, elementary math class, or I took an elementary French class, um, or, you know, my, my English class, because I hadn't really practice teaching in front of anyone or you know been in that context where I I gave a lesson until like well my practicum basically when I was in front of real students do you know what I mean yeah (laughs) especially having the did they record you like video like video recording of yourself yeah so it's like a video recording so um like you know uh the next week after you, you you teach it you know Go, go aside and have a look yeah and so that way you could see you know how you did in terms of like body language sort of like how you position yourself if you sort of were moving Absolutely. around too much or not enough you know all that sort of thing so it's you know it's actually pretty comprehensive now you now that I think about it like in terms mm-hmm. of, of covering all the bases in terms of like what you need to know as a teacher like even in that sort of like five minute snapshot there's just so yeah. much that you learn from it yeah, and imagine if you were, well, when you're in a real class and you have some of those students who, you know, they're not university students anymore, they're actually 10-year-olds and they're disruptive and they're playing, you know, on their phones or on their iPads or just scribbling and not listening or, you know, just all that stuff. So when you're put in the in in context, in a real situation, in a real classroom, it could totally be a, a, a 180 yeah, so that's um, that's probably like the one thing that doesn't it obviously can't quite cover, but you still have like most of those fundamental skills. So you know, if you if you sort of like, for example, if you're not projecting your voice enough to maybe um, be clear to to your, like university cohort, and that means that there's going to be a clear problem. Um, yeah, you try to teach it to you know 13, 14 year olds. So it's still a good trouble shooting exercise in that sense. You just have to sort of um, modify a little bit to obviously you know a high school teaching situation absolutely so um so those are the four classes that you had this semester so what does your second semester look like um so my second semester is um three classes because i have um, a five-week uh teaching block in the middle of it so i've got um my second class of the english and um and history sort of um like teaching for that and in those classes that's when we start to um to look a lot more closely at the uh, Australian curriculum and sort of what nice. the requirements are for each level, like the main concepts uh, and subjects uh, and just sort of how to deliver those and how to deliver it within the sort of like the, the standards and requirements that the Australian education system requires. Okay. And then I've got obviously um, like PER2 as well, which is basically the uh, professional experience class for uh for that for that semester and that um, teaching block. Nice. Yeah. So since you're teaching, um, you're you're teaching strictly secondary school students, right? Just high school. Yeah. So that's um, in Australia. That would be uh, year seven to year twelve. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I don't know if that's equivalent to like our grade seven, but we'll just we'll just talk about high school students. So yeah. um, and just. Uh, I find it interesting because, well, I'll be doing a little bit of primary um, and kind of junior and intermediate, like just 
in what uh, like section I'm in, grade four to grade 10, I have to learn how to teach math and geography and history because if I am placed in an elementary school um, classroom, I'll be teaching all of those subjects. So um, it's interesting on it for me because I have all of those classes like on top of my actual one teachable where it looks as though um, your first year just in general is really focused on on your teachables, right? Like the yes, part one so and part two of that. It's like yes, you're going I, really, really in depth of of those teachables where I had one class on my one teachable on English the first year of my first semester and that's the only class I'm going to get on it. And I have to know the curriculum and know how to teach English and that's it. <laughs> believe it or not yeah so it sounds like it's a lot different because um you're four to ten right so that means you've obviously got like a a very broad range of um like year levels um to Mm -hmm. cover so obviously you have to do like the general for the lower year levels and then you have to somehow you know be your specialist in english as well for like year eight year nine year ten so absolutely uh, that might be you know a bit tricky but but yeah, um, at least in the at the high school level, it's um it's much more uh, specialized in terms of just your subjects. So you sort of nominate like one or two sort of major subjects that you're going to teach in, and then you just really hone in on those. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's sort of the, the Australian system works in terms of uh, like secondary teacher education. Very cool. So, do you know where you're going to be doing your placement yet? Um, no, because what actually happened is. Um, I'm actually supposed to be on my first placement for two weeks um, right now, but there's actually um, quite a big problem which happened. Um, so, so I should have mentioned that I'm that I'm a student at the University of South Australia and their education um, uh, faculty. And basically, what happened is um, they're talking about 160 students this year, but about 80 or so of those um, they weren't able to actually get a placement for. And I was one oh, of those. Wow. Yeah, and I was one of those unfortunate 80 that didn't get their first uh, two-week block, which is um, literally this week and next week. So oh, as no. we speak, I should actually be in a school, like teaching, <laughs> observing, you know, planning lessons, but that hasn't, you know, worked out. So You uh, should just fly over here and you can come just uh, like shadow and work with me. I'm working as an educational assistant. You can get some experience in some schools. We can work yeah. together. <laughs> Yeah, but, um, that'd be great. Um, yeah. So, so wait, are they going to owe you these two weeks, or you're just kind of like out of luck? No, what's happening is um, in the uh, the block that I have uh, next semester, that was originally supposed to be uh, four weeks, but that's going to change to to I think five weeks. And instead of having like one lead in day where you just sort of orient yourself with the school, that becomes like an orientation week. So. Because the first um, placement, this two-week uh, block that I'm meant to be doing, is mostly like an orientation exercise. It's mostly getting to know how sort of um, schools work, like their systems, like each, what each sort of um, like section and department does. Like, and it's mostly observation. Like a lot of observing, yeah, of course. Yeah, and yeah. you teach maybe like three or four sort of um, isolated lessons in the second week, but it's not really like you're not doing a huge amount of like uh, planning units or planning like extensive uh, lessons or anything like that and then the second one is like your, your first real foray into like teaching you know units and like several classes a day and that sort of thing yeah but yeah because 
of this whole situation. Like that sort of um, mucked it up a bit. So yeah, I can. So I'm in kind of a I weird, can only imagine. Kind of weird place right now. Right. <laughs> well, you get some time off, I guess. Uh, <laughs> do some tutoring, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and that's sort of what um, spurred me on to the, into tutoring in the first place. Like, um, I wanted to have some hands-on experience, like teaching, even if it was just like one-on-one. Um, -on -one. And then obviously this happened, and it looks like that was a very good decision because that means I'm going to have at least some sort of teaching experience. So I'll make what would potentially have been just sort of a real um, trial by fire, just sort of getting thrown in the deep and like a lot more manageable because I have like some sort of teaching experience, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I totally understand because I felt as though, um, well, like I had said in our first semester, we, instead of your two weeks, we just did eight weeks of one day a week, which doesn't even, doesn't equal up to two weeks, but in the end, that was our observational period. And in our first semester, every Thursday when we would go and observe, it was at the same school that we would do our, our seven-week placement at in, in second semester. Um, so it was just a lot of getting to know the students and getting to know the school and connecting with your associate teacher and things like that. So I think that that period of time is really crucial because it really helped me integrate myself into the school system that I was going to be basically dedicating seven weeks of my time and effort into, um, in second semester. So, uh, it's unfortunate because like I said, it's such valuable experience for, us as teacher candidates, because it's not easy to um, just go in a school and hopefully figure things out on your own and, and kind of like you said, get thrown into the deep end and start your placement and, you know, hopefully everything goes hunky-dory. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a little bit difficult because I'm probably not going to have that same time to sort of um, integrate like adjust, myself, right? like you said, and, um, mm -hmm. you know, create like a, a bit of rapport because... Um, but the way it was meant to happen is um, the first two teaching blocks are meant to be at the same school. So um, the, the per one, like two-week block, um, which I'm meant to be doing right now, would be at the same one that I do, like the five-week um, more intensive teaching block in the second semester. Like they'll both mm -hmm. be at the same school. But now it's just sort of going to be this one combined block where I'm not going to have much time to really integrate myself and just sort of have to start teaching pretty much um, from the get-go. So. That's obviously so do you have do you have any experience um, like in a school at all or you know what brought you into into education? Um, so what got me into education is um, like there's a few reasons. So firstly, like I wanted to sort of work in uh, sort of a field where I sort of give back to people and you know help them out, and also I wanted to sort of um, convey and sort of express my knowledge and passion for subjects like English and history. Um, to other people and obviously education is sort of the most obvious way of doing mm, it yes. <laughs> and then it's obviously like the you know the more pragmatic reason, like reasoning of obviously you know trying to find a future career future job like you're always going to need teachers so there's obviously that sort of reasoning as well so but yeah there was a few different reasons why I decided to to go back to school and go into into education yeah absolutely so I saw on your on your website 
Um, we'll, we'll plug your website in here so that people listening can go check it out. It's scottjdavies.wordpress.com. Um, you're also really interested in like politics, current affairs. Um, you have tabs on like psychology. Um, have you done any like research in, in that type of, in those fields? Um, well, or is it just I'm, like your I, other passion? <laughs> um, so basically, um, that blog came about because um, when I sort of finished my honours year, I was really looking into doing like freelance writing and maybe like becoming like a journalist or like a, a writer of like features in magazines or that sort of thing. And yeah. so blogging was just a way to sort of keep up my writing skill, just sort of, you know, it's, it's almost like... Uh, Almost like just sort of keeping like a portfolio type thing. So I know that you've sort of spoken on your other podcast about, you know, how you keep a sort of a portfolio, like a sort of professional um, you know, development experience in terms of like a website, you know, you write about educational sort of things just yeah. to sort of express your sort of your knowledge and your awareness of what's happening in the field outside of, you know, just teaching itself. Mm-hmm. So that sort of came about um, – like that, and then obviously when I started uh, doing teaching this year, naturally I just sort of extended that to to looking at issues about education, you know, in terms of you know education, you know, policy, sort of the, the big sort of debates and and all that sort of thing. Because um, I also find that it helps a lot with trying to figure out your sort of uh, teaching philosophy, like what you think is going to work well in the classroom, what you think doesn't. So when yes. When you read a lot, when you discuss and you debate, that helps you quickly find out, um, you know, what the classroom is actually like, you know, because obviously mm-hmm. you, you learn one thing or you get told one thing by your sort of uh, university re- lecturers, but that can be quite different, obviously, the actual real-world scenario of being in, in a classroom. So, I Absolutely. I, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> I mean, you know. Just the fact that we wouldn't obviously be speaking if it, if it weren't for the fact that I sort of networked through Twitter and, you know, followed the sort of education had hashtags and started following you on Twitter and having those mm-hmm. sort of discussions. So I think, you know, just this podcast itself is sort of testament to the sort of power of social media in terms of, you know, networking, career development, um, you know, uh, facilitating all these really important sort of um, discussions, you know. Absolutely. So you, you've opened this, this whole new door um, into this conversation. So um, my first question is, in, in the faculty or in your, in your master's program, do they promote the fact and the value of, you know, putting your portfolio and online and having a website and really and blogging or podcasting or tweeting? Do they, do they see the value in that? Do they promote that? Um, so... Not nearly as much as um, I think is the case in sort of um, your education faculty. So there's a couple of lecturers here and there who might mention, you know, oh, I'm on Twitter, you know, if you want to follow me, just um, find me here or whatever. But it's not really actively promoted by any of those sort of, um, you know, self-development or like self-promotional sort of tools. So, and I'm probably one of the only, if the only student I know in my sort of, um, at least in the classes that I have, that's, you know, mm-hmm. actively on social media talking about all these sorts of issues. So it's sort of, it's been basically self-driven. Like I sort of saw this as, okay, no one else is doing this, so I'll do this. You know, I'll sort of get myself an edge over, you know, the competition over when, you know, I'm looking for jobs or sort of, 
you know, find new yeah. insights that others might not find, you know, that sort of thing? Absolutely. Well, believe it or not, definitely, um, you know, where we are here um, in Ottawa, where I study um, in the in the English faculty. So like I was saying, I'm in the French one. In the English one, it's actually, um, I was speaking with Jessica Gladu, one of uh, one of the guests on my podcast a couple episodes ago, she's in the English faculty, and it was one of her assignments to make a a website and post blogs and you know blogs about her classes and about her experiences and about her practicum, and she had to have a certain number of blog posts, you know, by week and, and things like that. So it's definitely encouraged that way. Whereas myself in the French faculty, I would say that I am probably the only one, maybe if not a handful other uh, students are, are doing what I am doing. So I kind of feel like, like you in just in my situation uh, in my faculty with, with the other students, I'm kind of that innovator who is showing my peers like, look at all the people that you can connect with on social media. Like you said, the power of, um, your, your PLN, your professional learning network, um, the power of connecting with others and just seeing what other educators are doing in their classrooms, because I'm sure as you've seen, you know, there's just so much to be explored and so much to learn. And you don't even have to step out of your, out of your house or out of your bedroom or anything. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, there's um, just so many good resources, especially on Twitter. Like, um, this sort of some of the people that you follow from all around the world, so from America, like Canada, the UK, you get all these new insights on, you know, how they teach their classrooms, sort of um, how to deal with all these sort of tricky um, questions that come up. So obviously, like, I'm still very, very new to to the teaching profession, as you are, and obviously, you know, we're going to have a lot of questions. We have a lot of sort of dilemmas that we have to try and figure out. And so obviously... Yeah you've got access to all these people that have been in the game for decades that, you know, that know teaching inside out, you know, how to deal with all these seemingly impossible, you know, problems, you know, mm-hmm. from, from our perspective as, as newbies. So why not sort of tap into those resources? And, yeah. And- it, you can't see me, but I'm like shaking my head like, yes, yes. I'm like totally agreeing with you on this because the people who are on Twitter and that I know and that I have in my professional learning network are, are so willing to share and to speak with teacher candidates. I, I can't speak any more highly of the people that I've connect with, connected with on social media and that have provided me with opportunities that I would have never had as a teacher candidate if I only, you know, went went to my classes in university, went to my practicum and and didn't connect with anyone else other than my peers and my professors. I wouldn't have had a lot of the experiences that I got if it weren't for the connections that I made through social media, believe it or not. Yeah. And I think that's a similar um, case in my situation. um, You know, the amount of resources that I've found um, from people on Twitter that I've ended up using as citations in my assignments, for example, or I've just sort of um, brought up, you know, Oh, I found this thing on Twitter, you know, during like a class discussion and, you know, it took the discussion to, to new places that it otherwise wouldn't have, you know, it, it sort of introduced new um, sort of ideas and concepts. And I think mm-hmm. I sort of spoke about that in um, in one of my recent posts about um, sort of the, the literary canon um, where this idea we sort of briefly mentioned um, while we're talking about this idea of talking about uh, classical texts this idea of um, cultural capital 
which I thought just sort of really stuck out. So I made a, a post about that. That ended up, um, you know, getting heaps of sort of um, retweets. Like I've, I've got like a whole bunch of new followers, which came, which uh, yeah. brought with that heaps of um, new insights, sort of ideas. And I sort of brought those insights back into the discussion next in my next English class. And we just had like a really good conversation, you know, lots of, new insights, lots of new perspectives uh, sort of brought to the table, which otherwise, you know, it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't just happened to sort of uh, blog about that and sort of raise it on, on on Twitter, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you get to connect with like-minded people, you know, or people that um, are interested in the same subject or topic, um, but have a totally different perspective than you. And that can really open your eyes on a certain, on a certain way of thinking, um, you know, which I, which I think is really cool. And what I was wondering is you were saying that you were kind of, kind of like myself, like the black sheep that goes on Twitter and has a bunch of followers and has a website and connects with others. Are some of your peers seeing, you know, how you're connecting outside of the classroom with all of these educators and are interested in, in what you're doing? Um, so I've had like a, a little bit of um, sort of interest. So um, sometimes I'll, I'll post my blog pieces um, or sort of interesting articles that I find on Twitter to um, sort of like a, a Facebook group for my subject. So um, for example, we've got one for uh, the English uh, class. We've got one for just sort of the um, the Masters of Secondary Teaching cohort in general. And, like, I'll mm-hmm. post a couple of my pieces or whatever. That'll sort of um, bring up a little bit of discussion and maybe, you know, have a couple of people ask me, it's like, oh, that's interesting, you know. Um, I like mm-hmm. what you're doing, you know. I'm, I'm thinking about sort of blogging myself. So I think I've started to to bring that idea into people's heads a little bit about, the potential value of you know blogging sort of putting your thoughts out there is i think yeah. what sort of holds a lot of people back is they you know naturally they're, they're sort of worried about putting their thoughts out there for the whole internet to see and you know potential for sort of criticism or you know trolling that's very fair all that sort of thing and i think a lot of people might think oh you know i've thought about this you know this would probably be useful but it's sort of like it's a bit of a, it's a big time commitment as well because you have to sort mm-hmm. of um, sit down obviously for a few hours you have to you know do a fair bit of reading um you have to sort of draft write you know a lot of words you know could be anywhere up to like a thousand words or whatever and there's sort of a big time commitment as well um, absolutely you have to really plan it out and you sort of have to you have to be really self-disciplined so and that you know when people are obviously heaps busy you know they've got work they've got you know the rest of their lives last thing you sort of want to do you know if you've you don't really want to sort of sit down on like a Tuesday. Just give yourself more work, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So it's sort of hard in that sense, but you have to try and sort of think about like the bigger picture. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely, and I will, I I will kind of be the devil's advocate, all while agreeing with you and saying that one hundred percent, keeping up on Twitter is a large task. Okay. (laughs) I'm sure you know just as well as I do. It's not easy. There are thousands of tweets that go through my newsfeed every day and I, it's impossible to keep up. So yes, absolutely. But at the same time, I think if you, you know, for me or as an educator, if you just take time to, you know, while you're on the bus to check your, to check your Twitter feed or while you're in line getting your coffee in the morning, just, um, like kind of placing, 
finding the time without trying to make extra time for all of these things, that's when you can really just end up connecting and, and not seeing, um, like using social media as a, as like a burden or as a task. If it just becomes kind of a habit, you know, for me being on, on Twitter, it's like second nature. I, it's just like a a part of my lifestyle now. I don't see it as like, Oh, I have to go check my Twitter. Like I don't have time, you know, it's just become pretty natural. Um, I can't keep up with everything like I was saying, but at the same time, um, podcasting and, and taking an hour to come and speak with you and, and blogging. It's like, if you're passionate about it, I feel like you're way more prone to make the time. I, I know not everybody has the time, but when you, when you want to do something and, and you really want to connect with others and, you know, I would have taken three hours to come and, and talk to you if, if I could. Um, it just, it makes it so much more easier when you're passionate about it. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that has to be sort of um, self-directed. Like, I'm that sort of person that's naturally um, curious and always wants to learn anyway. And that's probably part of the reason why I even you know, want to be a teacher because, you know, I just sort of have that mentality of being a lifelong learner. Like, you know, I always want to improve. I always want to, to discover new things, new insights and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And yeah. obviously, that I love lifelong learner. I love that word. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And I think just having that sort of mentality just naturally brings you to wanting to connect on social media, want, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, blog about things, wanting to uh, discuss things on podcasts um, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so I, I find that it's definitely a, a m- very much like a self-directed sort of thing that's due to my you know, passion for the subject, passion for, you know, this field in general. So that is, like, as you said, it's definitely a massive factor in, in why I I sort of blog and, and do all the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another question that I had for you, and I'm not sure if you'll be able to uh, answer it just because you haven't done your placement yet, but I was wondering what it was like in Australia with um, the incorporation of technology in the classroom. So whether it be, um, I don't know if you guys have like smart boards or uh, like where you guys are at with, with technology in the classroom, like using a lot of resources online, like oh, I, I could I could name a hundred, but you know, YouTube, for example, like are the, is the educational system in Australia really open to, to opening their arms to technology? Do you know? Um. Yeah, it's generally generally um, pretty open. Like most schools now, at least at like the secondary level, um, pretty much every student will have um, their own like mini laptop, and that's um, sort of yeah. where they'll primarily do like the, most of their um, written work. You know, you obviously have things uh, like smart boards and all that sort of thing. And I know, um, have you heard about was it? Um, it's like Google certified teachers or like Google technology certified. Yeah, I am actually a Google, Google, Google <laughs> certified educator level two. Yes. And I'm looking to become a trainer soon. <laughs> yeah, I actually um, started that, I think, about a week ago. Like, I've just started um, working through those modules um, because, nice. like you, like, um, or, you know, I'm interested in technology and how to sort of um, make the best use of it. Like, I'm sort of aware, like, both sides of the technology debate, like, you know, I can mm-hmm. understand on some level how, you know, if you don't use it properly, it can sort of be distracting and it can sort of um, hinder learning if you just use it as sort of like a, a lazy 
sort of easy way out. But at the same time, like you, it provides so many good opportunities. So you may as well, you know, look at it objectively, look at um, you know, the pros and cons of technology, how to use it the best, because it's obviously going to keep developing. It's it's not going to go away. So as teachers, we have to sort of embrace it. Yeah, right? embrace it. Like know know how to use it and just sort of really think objectively and sort of critically. Okay, how can I use um, this new device or, or this new program or, or the, all these new sort of things, um, how to use them the best because, you know, our students are obviously going to grow up in a much more technological world than even um, uh-huh. we came up in. So you have to, they have to know how to use it, but you just have to sort of teach them correctly, um, responsibly, ethically, um, you know, all those sorts of things. So, and that's mm-hmm. sort of- And like you, well, like you just said, teaching our students, it might not be in the curriculum, but teaching our, our students how to be a responsible and respectful and um, like responsible global citizen like online. I think that is one of the most important things in this new digital age, right? Yeah, exactly. Because um, everything's going digital now and there's obviously lots of new implications for that, you know, even, you know, how students use social media. So um, potential problems with, you know, Facebook, you know, Snapchat, all that sort of thing. Um, oh, yeah. you, can't, you can't pretend that students aren't going to use it or they're not going to maybe get, do some, you know, dicey sort of things on there. Like, we're all the same, so we can't pretend and, like, turn turn that back around and be like, oh, you can't use this or you shouldn't be using that because, you know, they, yeah. they're going to use that sort of thing. And there's lots of good aspects to it too, but you just have to teach them, okay, um, there's – there's some potential problems that can arise if you're not careful, you know, um, sort of how to keep like a, a clean sort of internet footprint so they don't necessarily get themselves into trouble when they're trying to look for jobs or, you know, any sort of uh-huh. legal or ethical issues. Um, so as long as you sort of um, keep on top of those sort of things and, you know, technology is fine. Like, it's very helpful. You just have to be aware of like those potential downsides. Like you can't pretend it's not there. But at the same Turning time, a blind eye to it doesn't help anyone in the end. Yeah, there's there's definitely that risk of um, sort of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um, <laughs> so, you know, because, you know, there, there's definitely some bad aspects of social media, which, um, and you can't ignore those, but at the same time, you can't just be like, oh, you know, we're going to ban this completely or we're just going to try and, you know, not use the internet and just do like a traditional pen and paper type style education. Like it just doesn't yeah. cut it anymore. So you have to use no. it, but you just have to use it, you know, in the correct way. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I, I think we definitely see um, eye to eye in that aspect. And I think as, well, as millennials, we, we can easily embrace that where I've seen some professors in teaching me in university or even some some teachers in the school that I was doing my placement at not have that same approach. Um, and I think that really um, kind of adheres to the students uh, in the classroom. It really kind of uh, disadvantages them to to what is actually out there. And I think it's up to the teachers to go and who might might not be as familiar with the, you know, internet or just anything in general and just have that fear of, of technology. Um, I think it's up to them to, in their professional learning to go and, and be, and get educated. And at the same time, I've seen some teachers that really embrace all of the social media. And I actually knew, I, I know one teacher who one of her class projects was she started a hashtag 
and she would interact with students. She would get them to, it, it was like a chat on, on Twitter and they would always use the hashtag and she would ask questions and they would, you know, answer them. And it was all about like, um, she was teaching a leadership class. So it was about like community involvement and, and things like that. And it really, um, you know, got a conversation going and it wasn't just restricted to the classroom. This was shared, like I said, on Twitter. So, um, other people could, could, um, you know, kind of give their two cents. And uh, it was just really fun to, to see that learning happening online. Yeah, that's, and that's the thing with social media. Like it, it brings up all these um, new and exciting opportunities for uh, like learning collaboration that you know, even a few years ago, just you wouldn't even think about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, ideas such as obviously using the hashtag or you know, the Skyping and like conference calling. Yeah. You know, all that sort of thing. Have you ever heard of um, mystery Google Hangouts? Um, I don't think I have. It's a really, no, it's really cool. Um, so teachers connect um, online and it could be a teacher in Canada and a teacher uh, in, in France or in Australia and they decide a time to connect the two classrooms via Google Hangouts and the classrooms have to ask each other questions to figure out where they are located in the world. And then at the end of the, the Google Hangouts, which is just like Skype basically, um, like a video conference call, um, you know, they, they kind of say where they're from and it's really, really, really cool. Yeah, that sounds um, very interesting. I hadn't heard about that, mm-hmm. but that's something that I'd be interested in. Um you know, implementing in a classroom if I could. Absolutely, yeah. When I have my classroom and you have your classroom and we're both teaching high school, we can uh, we can connect. We'll do a, a Google Hangout, a mystery Google Hangout with our students. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it would be fun. <laughs> I love it. Well, Scott, we have been talking for 45 minutes already. Um, I don't want to take up any more of, of your day. I know that, is it going on 10, 10 o'clock now, 10 a.m.? Yeah, it's nearly 10 o'clock over. Awesome. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you so very much for such an insightful conversation. Uh, I really feel like we connected so well, uh, and I hope to uh, connect with you again and definitely do another podcast. When when do you finish your, um, your second semester? Um, so my second semester would be finished in uh, probably November. Okay. So let's, we'll, we'll have to check our calendars all the way in November and we will record our podcast again uh, just to see how your placement goes and we can talk all about that, about your first teaching experiences. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I'll definitely be open to being on the podcast again. Like it's um, been great talking to you today, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Have a great day. <laughs>